you're listening to the Man Overseas Podcast, a show that explores methods and ideas to help you live a bigger life. You will hear interesting stories of how people live, how they save and invest their money, and why having time wealth is better than being a billionaire. If you are entertained, educated, or elevated, be sure to hit the subscribe button. We're just getting started. Now here is your host, Brad D'Antonio. Hello, beautiful listeners. By popular request, I'm going to revisit the blog post I wrote called 40 Pieces of Life Advice for 20-Year-Old Me. I went back and listened to the last solo episode I did about that particular post and wrote down which of the 40 that I covered. That way I don't double dip. By the way, I feel a special connection to you listeners, so if we're ever eating nachos from the same bowl, I don't care if it's your cheese or nacho cheese, I don't mind you double dipping. <laughs> I imagine those bothered by a double dipper are listening in their car somewhere on a lonely, dusty road, probably wearing a mask, hand sanitizer in the cup holder. But I'm not hating, because I do remember what Michael Jordan once said, Republicans buy shoes too. <laughs> so we've got a big tent here with listeners of all ages, persuasions, and political affiliations. What's my point? You can double dip with me. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Reminds me of a story, actually. I was playing softball. This is after I finished school, which happens to be when my education started, of the sort you'll get today. And there was a team in our league that had almost... Everybody on the team was almost white dudes. It was almost all white dudes. And they had a black guy named Tyree, and then another guy, I think, was from Korea. Their team name, Caucasian Invasion with Tyree and an Asian. (laughs) As they say, creativity is a form of genius. Where was I? Ah, so there were seven points of the 40 covered last time. So that leaves me plenty from which to choose. And although I don't like to go in order, I, I even read magazines backwards. I'm a bit of a weirdo that way. I'll certainly let you know which number I'm referencing for those scoring at home. Or if you're in a Burger King bathroom, I'm sick with this. Straight gangster Mac. Sometimes I get ridiculous. I'll even buy your crackers and your licorice and your body positive model. Because you can't say fat anymore. Come here, you ticklish. Yeah, I called you body positive. I could go so many directions here. (laughs) Do you realize what is now referred to as fat shaming That really was the third rail of COVID. Our fear of calling someone fat ruined so many more lives than calling people fat would have. Because you couldn't talk about overweight people, lest you drop too much truth about the pandemic and what was going on. But that's for another day. That's not the direction I wanted to go. But speaking of Fatty McGee, did I ever tell you my first job was at Burger King? That is a true story. I wore a clip-on tie it paid 4.60 an hour and even at that age i was 15 years old lied on my application to get the job don't tell anybody if the statute of limitations has not yet run out but something i realized even then i was providing way more value than the 4.60 an hour they were paying me because there were a lot of people coming into bk just because i worked there my buddies and such or maybe a gal or two who couldn't get enough of a sophomore with a butt cut who had just started shaving his chest that year. (laughs) Molly Long is a gal I went to school with at that time. She actually passed away on our senior trip in Cancun, which is where I happen to be now. Very sad situation. But you may find this interesting. The hotel where I stayed for over a month while I was here learning Spanish, this is back in summer of 16, They had a wonderful staff. It's how I met Julia Va, who I've had on the podcast, the Russian gal. But they had another girl who worked there, and she was 24 years old, which was about Julia's age at that time. And I'd gotten to know the staff pretty well, staying there that long. Well, I came back a year or two later, and I don't remember if I was just there to to stay, or I might have just been there to give daps to one of my homeboys, you know, bellboys that helped me out a lot. But there was this little shrine in the corner of the lobby, and I noticed it was dedicated to this 24-year-old girl that I had known when I was staying there. 
And I said, what happened to Maria? And they said, oh, she died. And I'm like, what happened? And they they looked like at each other and they were like, well, she died. She died, Brad. She died. And, and I'm like, yeah, how'd she die? And people were either playing stupid or they had no clue how she had died. So I asked the manager, thinking they were a little bit smarter than your average employee. I was like, hey, what happened to Maria? How'd she die? She said, I, d- I don't know. I looked around this small lobby and, and was like, how does a healthy-looking 24-year-old that you all work with every day, how does she pass away and nobody knows how? And they all shook their head. So I go to Oscar, who's my dog, the guy that I was there to give daps to. And I'm like, dude, nobody wants to tell me what happened to Maria. How did she die? And he says, he whispers to me, he goes, oh yeah, Brad, it, it's part of our culture. We, we really don't ask that question. I'm like, I'll be damned. So I probably look like the stereotypical chest-beating American walking around like, you bunch of dummies, nobody knows how this girl died. How can that be? But yeah, they don't, they don't talk about how people die. It's just not something that is shared, which I found fascinating. So Mexico. Anyway. Getting back to Molly, the girl that I went to high school with, she affectionately referred to BK as Brad's Kingdom, because I was running the show there, if you'll allow me to be frank, rather than say Brad or man. (laughs) Especially I was running things when I was up on the mic, at the front taking orders from customers. You know, come to think of it, Molly still has my Looney CD. I got five on it. She was the best friend of the girl I was dating when that song was a banger, who, who was also a guest on this pod, actually. Small world, short life. Number 13, world, words are powerful. None more powerful than I love you. Tell somebody you love them today, will you? At BK, you got to remember, this is back before everything was computerized. So when somebody walks up to the front counter and says they want a Whopper with cheese, no onions... I'd have to call it to the back on the mic that's on the side of my register. And it's all Spanish speakers in the back, so I'd go, Whopper con queso, no cebolla. It was like the only five Spanish words I knew. But then I might add some Coolio, just because I had a mic and Coolio was topping the charts back then with loonies. So just to get the, the Mexicans in the kitchen laughing out loud, LOL, I'd go, one, two, three, four, get your woman on the floor. God, I got to get up, get down. <laughs> it was a hit. So I could hear them laughing. Meanwhile, I'm laughing as I'm handing the customer the receipt. And hey, maybe that's where my interest in being on the microphone started. No, no, that's, that's not it. That, that's not where it started. It was hard Harry played by Christian Slater in Pump Up the Volume. If you haven't seen that film from 1991, I'll just say you owe it to yourself. How's that? And somebody marked that down as the first time I've ever called a movie a film. And please, if you catch me doing that shit again, let me know you saw a slug bug or just give me two for flinching because I shouldn't be doing that. Don't let me get away with it. There was a guy I played with at Nickel State. You're going to hear a story I've told before. His name was Kevin Larpenter. Promise this dude could flash the leather. Maybe the best defender I played with in my four years there. Fiery little fella. We're playing on the road at Ole Miss and getting heckled worse than anywhere else in college baseball. Credit to their fans. And everybody handles getting heckled differently. I kind of take it as a compliment. I actually like it. Not Larpenter. He would talk shit back to the fans the whole game. And his derogatory word of choice was lizard. He called everybody he didn't like a lizard. (laughs) And I haven't heard anyone do that before or since. But he would say things like, that's why you in the stands and I'm out here playing, you fucking lizard. (laughs) So that's apropos of nothing. Um, How did that even come to my mind? Oh, slip of the tongue. I (laughs) I had a slip of the tongue with uh, calling that movie a film, and a slip of the tongue made me think of a lizard. So, in case you're curious how my brain works. Back to Burger King. My buddies would come in and buy a couple Whoppers, which were actually 99 cents at the time. I guess this is top of mind because prices are going up so fast, and I actually had a buddy tell me recently that I don't, I don't charge enough for my coaching. Now, he may be right, probably is. 
but I wanted to make the program accessible to more people. And therefore, if you're the right candidate, I will invest my time in you. I want to see you succeed. We're going to do big things together. I can take someone who is willing to buy into the principles I coach, and we will absolutely crush it. I'm starting to gather a few testimonials on the one-on-one coaching page on manoverseas.com if you haven't seen it. But I'll be telling more client stories and formats like this, having them as guests on the show. Just as an example, if you haven't heard the episode with Tyler Johnson yet, I'm not even sure why you listen to this podcast at all. Dude was too legit to quit to say. The episode was called As a Man Thinketh, another another great book title written by James Allen a long time ago, so it's withstood the test of time. It's an easy read. It's short. But the, the fact that it withstood the test of time, that's usually the hallmark of an outstanding read. I'm sure it sounds like I'm promoting my coach, coaching services. Hey, maybe, albeit indirectly. But you'll notice this solo episode comes to you commercial-free. So I'm going to say more. I love witnessing the ascendance of a dozen or so focused individuals from around the country, hell, from around the world. I have clients everywhere. I've seen them accomplish so much in such a short time, and it's awesome. It's awesome. One of my best clients, Jesse, and I'll tell you more about him later, he said to me recently, Brad, you were my greatest blessing of 2021. That's worth more than money to me. I'm telling you, that is the currency with which I am paid, or at least the currency I value most. But yeah, my, my boy Jesse said that, and I'm flattered. But that was all you, bro. Now, don't mistake me for Johnny Be Humble. I might be responsible for an idea that I shared with him, but I likely stole it from someone else. Jesse, if you're listening, and I, if I know you, you are, you earned everything you got, my man, and I'm proud of you. And let me say, part of being a success is taking responsibility for when you have done well. Reap what you've sown. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. Because part of life is living. I got no problem with that. In fact, I encourage it. Celebrate success. And I know my man did because I helped him plan a trip back in August. My dude did it big. He came here, in fact, to Mexico. And I say this a lot too, but I'm absolutely convinced that the early returns from having a coach, having a plan, leading a more disciplined life, it'll have you committing to lifelong excellence. That's just how that works. It's like when you start achieving some of the smaller goals you've set for yourself, I'm talking about stuff that's maybe three to six months out, when you start to feel the energy provided by achieving some of these shorter-term goals, it's a momentum that snowballs, and you become almost impossible to constrain. You become unstoppable. And what happens is people start to notice. Suddenly there's a glimmer in your eye, a certain confidence in your walk that you didn't have before. Your hand shakes a little firmer. Your eye contact is much improved to where you're locked in. And I'm telling you, people notice that stuff. It stands out more than it ever has. Why? Because it's more rare than it's ever been. Let's talk about confidence for a minute because... That is on the list. Let's continue with the list. Number 17. True self-confidence is rare because it's hard to attain and there are no shortcuts. If and when you encounter unexpected hardship, you must endure it without alcohol or drugs. You'll develop an enthusiasm about yourself when you can force yourself to do things others aren't willing to do. The first part about encountering Unexpected hardship, I think, speaks for itself. We all deal with shit. I don't care who you are. But if you can endure it, learn from it. As for how, you know I'm a huge advocate for journaling. That's number one on the list. But if you can endure hardship, adopt the mentality that I'm going to win or I'm going to learn, then I happen to believe you'll not only make it through your problems, but benefit from them. You'll come out thriving. You don't want to be the guy who grew up coddled, whose parents demonstrated love by throwing money at them. I've seen too many of those kids, now young adults, and you know what? It's a deficiency, not an asset. They've now got a little more to overcome to succeed in the real world because they were coddled, because of economic outpatient care. 
is what author Thomas Stanley called it in the book The Millionaire Next Door. Don't you have to read that book? Aren't there some books just based on the title alone that you've got to pick up? The Millionaire Next Door. It's like Think and Grow Rich. Don't you have to read that? How to Win Friends and Influence People. Who are you to pass that book on the, on the shelf at Barnes & Nobles and say, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to read that one. As a man thinketh. I could go on. Man search for meaning. But trust me when I say the good Lord won't give you anything you can't handle. I believe that. So endure. Endure it without drugs or alcohol and watch your confidence skyrocket in the process. And people will start to notice that shit. So endure the struggle. Persist. Keep going. You do not need the aid of substances. Because what happens, I'm telling you, it's like magic. You'll develop a supreme confidence in yourself. Whereas those who reach for the bottle every time they, they take a bite of humble pie or take an actual pie to the face, let's say in the form of rejection, well, actually, actually that'd be metaphorical, wouldn't it? Anyway, I implore you to go through the peaks and valleys of life without the aid of drugs or alcohol. Most people are not willing to do that. Therefore, your willingness to abstain from those scourges on society will separate you, and your confidence will be genuine. I mean, think about how often you hear, ugh, I had a rough day, I need a drink. No! Be the dude who says, yeah, it was a rough day, I wish that interaction had gone differently with my boss or that customer, but I'm going to learn from it. Because more than likely, I will have a similar situation in the future, and I'll handle it so much better next time because of what I've been through. And hey, next time might be more important. Generally, it will be. And you'll be well prepared to capitalize on that interaction, on that moment. This is being a student of your own life. This is why number one on the list is to keep a journal. Because it's the best tool I know for becoming a student of your own life. It's better than any university. I'll die on that hill after I sprint up that motherfucker. Because I want to be ripped. And that's a great way to get there. Not just up the hill, but sprinting up there, getting ripped in the process. Or when we were living in New Orleans, the wife and I were doing levee sprints. Not all the time. Especially once we got the baby. I wasn't going to let her gain weight alone, right? (laughs) Getting jacked on the mighty Mississippi. What you knew about that? I know all about that. But I digress. I was talking about how you'll approach the next similar interaction to the one you just had. Because it's coming, Daddy. You can bank on it. You you will have another similar interaction in your life, just like the one you had where you didn't perform well. But you'll approach it with confidence next time, well prepared, and you'll get the most desirable outcome for yourself. Because you've thought about it. Because you've written it down in your journal. You've thought about it from different angles. What could I have said differently? What questions could I have asked that might have flipped the script in conversation so that I would have no longer felt backed into a corner? Remember, the person in control of a conversation is generally the one asking questions. And so maybe you blew it last time, but next time, with a little bit of reflection, you'll nail that MF. So don't be that man or woman who has a rough day and says, I need a drink. Instead, be that dude that says, I need to get in the gym or get in the sauna for 20 minutes and let that body get rid of them toxins. Sports in the top 10. And by the way, life is a series of problems. We all have them. I see it as part of the deal for occupying a small space on God's greenery. I don't care who you are. Problems, they keep a coming. You'll notice that's the second time I've said that. How to deal with this fact that problems keep coming? Well, I'd point you to number 36 on the list. It says, get to acceptance as fast as possible. By acceptance, I mean welcome everything that happens in your life. The best time to prepare for a crisis is before it comes. An overreaction is an indication you either didn't prepare or that you lack imagination to think this couldn't happen. More on this later. But one of the questions I like to ask my clients is, who do you think is happier, you or Kim Kardashian? Isn't it crazy that that question would even cause pause for reflection? 
but everybody stops to think about it when I ask. I mean, how many people would sacrifice a digit for 300 million Instagram followers <laughs> or forego a limb for a billion dollar net worth? But she's probably no happier than you. I'm sure you've heard this before, but if you could get in a circle with 10 random people, throw all your problems in the middle of the circle so they're laid bare for everybody to see, yours and theirs, then like one of those white elephant gift parties, you get to grab any set of problems you want to take home with you, you'd probably take your own problems back. And this, of course, ties to number 31 and 32 on the list, which read, happiness is your responsibility. If you're not happy now, you won't be happy when you get what you want. But one thing we do know is that happiness and gratitude are intertwined. That's really good news. Really good news. Because you can always find a reason to thank someone. I'm a huge proponent of thank you notes. And the more sincere the thank you, the more happiness inducing. And I've said this before, but text messaging makes this so easy. Hey man, just want to tell you how much I appreciate our friendship. Send that text to a buddy today. I dare you. See if it doesn't uplift both you and him. I have a good feeling it will. So number 31, happiness is your responsibility. Oh, he makes me so happy. Well, boo, you're going to be miserable in about two years when the honeymoon phase ends. When funny farts suddenly become annoying assholes with some stank on you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, but I am for real. I covered number 31 in the, in the last deep dive, so I won't spend time on it here. But number 32 says, God may have made Hollywood celebrities a thing just to demonstrate that fame and fortune don't make for a happy life. This one speaks for itself, but if you think being a Kardashian would be a happier existence, well, former Bruce might tell you otherwise. I do believe the good life is reserved for those who have a supreme confidence in themselves. It's very hard to live a bigger life when you're lacking in confidence. And that can be a hard pill to swallow for some people. But better to face hard truths as soon as possible. That means be willing to have uncomfortable conversations early in the day. Don't put it off. Let others put off conversations that may be awkward, but not you. And if it helps, think about the 90% of people who would procrastinate and not make that necessary phone call because they're the non-confrontational type and would avoid anything adversarial at all costs. Or maybe they face the possibility of rejection, so they delay and they delay. Meanwhile, you're making that call. Boom, 8 a.m. The way I see it is, it's wonderful those people are everywhere. People full of fear. Those people who fear confrontation of any kind make it that much easier for us to join the top 10%, top 5% of men. I've always viewed leg day at the gym this way. The average gym bro hates leg day. Great. I don't want to be average. So I'm going to make sure leg day gets done early in the week. There's so many, of, so many aspects of life that are this way. I'm talking about opportunities to separate yourself from the masses. Be different. And not in a try-hard-look-at-me sort of way, but just listen to what the masses are saying and go the other way. If you hear, oh, I hate Mondays, don't ever let those words come out of your mouth, ever. That's what the masses are saying. You don't want to be the masses. If you hear, oh, I hate moving, don't be like them. Don't go where they go. Don't talk like they talk. Oh, you hate moving? Congratulations. You sound like every other fucking person I know. Try this instead. I love moving. Putting some shit in boxes, playing a little Tetris, getting a chance to read highlighted passages and books that I haven't picked up in years. Get the wife telling you, hey, we can't read every book as we pack. <laughs> I love that shit. Acceptance. Acceptance. Let me tell you what I see as the goal of self-confidence. Something everybody would love to have more of. You want to be, be a confident, robust, and anti-fragile motherfucker. Hard as steel. What I call unfuckwithable. And I'm not trying to be hard. I'm, maybe it, it comes off that way. I don't know. But get this. Knowing you have this side of you that is robust and anti-fragile 
It allows you to integrate the darker parts of you into your character. Because a man with a fully integrated shadow, unstoppable. Why is this important to integrate your shadow? Because you also want to be high-cultured, sophisticated, and self-aware. Not to mention well-respected for your service to others. This means you would have influence and impact the lives of those around you in a positive way. Because it's not all about you. So don't get caught up in I'm robust and anti-fragile. You're also serving people. You're being of service to others. Might be why you're here. But most won't get there. Why not? Because most people adhere to this upside-down clown world where nobody's willing to say what's on their mind, to say what's true, which amazingly is at, at least in part what made Jordan Peterson famous. One of his rules for life is to tell the truth. And this is where number 18 on the list comes in, which reads, Our world is filled with people who are unaware, have no desire for the truth, can't even bear to tell themselves the truth. In fact, the truth offends them, so they'll go to great lengths to protect themselves from it, as if a mental block exists in their head to protect themselves from uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. That's where we are today, folks. And like I said, they're everywhere. In fact, you're probably thinking of someone right now that you can't share certain things with because it would offend their sensibilities. And because these these people are so unaccustomed to dealing honestly, even in their own mind, they're dishonest with themselves, they block it out, they block out any honesty, what happens is they project and they tend to assume that you're also full of shit. Why would you expect any different from those people? I go on to say in the year 2120, it'll be the same. Human nature doesn't change. Here's a pro tip. And I don't, I don't do pro tips often, but let those people go. I know it's hard. And if they're family, you, you probably can't let them go entirely. But you can sure reduce the amount of time you spend with them. If they're bringing you down, if they're not encouraging you to go for it, to go for your dreams, they're negative Nancy all the time, don't put up with that shit. Let it go. Ooh, let it go. I'll let it go. If you say that you love me, that shit better show. Oh, God. (laughs) That's Biebs and 21 Savage. Hey, you want to be a savage? Set some goddamn boundaries in your life, especially with family. Their being related to you has no bearing whatsoever in how they can treat you. And if you remember one thing from this episode today, let it be this. People will treat you how you allow them to treat you. If you want a book recommendation on this topic, Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a gold mine in the form of a book. It's called Boundaries, When to Say Yes and How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life. Sometimes you have to ask yourself this question. When a family member takes you for granted or treats you however they like because they know you aren't going anywhere, you're still going to be there regardless. Or I'll share a personal pet peeve. And I'm, I'm working on this as a pet peeve because the Stoics would tell you if someone is, is successful in provoking you that you must understand you're complicit in that provocation because words are just that. They're words. But I'm being vulnerable here. I do have pet peeves. But here's what bothers me. When someone values their time, their own time, a thousand X to one your time, or worse, a thousand X to zero is what you'll usually see. I'll share a story with you. Very recently, this happened to me. I got in an argument with my doctor. He changed our our visit to virtual the week before the appointment. So I'm on the phone with his nurse to confirm the week before that the appointment is in fact virtual because I really wanted to see him in person. Had a flight scheduled to make sure I'd be in town and everything. So I'm talking to his nurse. I say, out of respect for her, let's call her Miss Thang. I say, Miss Thang, I notice in the system our appointment's been changed to virtual. She said, yeah, that's right. I said, oh, okay, because I'm out of the country. I'll, I'll just cancel my flight. Well, would you believe that because I told this woman I was out of the country, the doctor decided not to show up to the appointment, the virtual appointment, one for which I had arranged my whole day to accommodate. 
and he could not have cared less about my time. Not one iota. What happened was his nurse told him that I was out of the country, and since he isn't licensed to practice medicine with with any patient not located in the state, much less the country, rather than share that with me via email or through their portal they seem to be so proud of, or an attempted phone call, I got nothing. I heard nothing from them. And he just decides he, he's not going to show up to the appointment. Because according to him, he's, he doesn't want to risk losing his license. So my next in-person visit, I let him have it. I said, Doc, let's call him Seuss to protect his name, out of respect. Despite the lack of respect coming the other way, you see there, I'm already working on my issues. I said, I can understand you not wanting to lose your license. And I respect that you, you very much value your time. But please understand that my time is just as valuable to me as yours is to you. Now, I expect a doctor of your caliber and prestige to value their time, I don't know, a thousand X to one my time. But when it's a thousand X to zero, I've got a problem with that, sir. He says, hey, Brad, I can find you another doctor. Dr. Seuss, that's not the point. You're a smart man, you know that. But if you had no intention of showing up to our appointment, please grant me the courtesy of letting me know. I had rearranged my whole freaking day. Have a staff member reach out to me if you're too busy. Well, that gave him an out. He said a member of his staff was supposed to let me know that he wouldn't make our scheduled appointment time. Ah, so we have an incompetence problem. Number 30 on the list. You'll live a more peaceful life expecting incompetence and being pleasantly surprised. Then the reverse, unless someone works with you or for you, expect incompetence. You walk through the world this way, interacting with service providers and the clueless among us, doctors, staffs, and you'll watch your peace skyrocket. It works. But I'm working on it too. And I kind of get the sense with his staff, by the way, that I was dealing with incompetence personified. So that prepared me a bit. I alluded to number 36 on the list earlier, but I'll repeat. Acceptance is where you want to get to. If peace is what you're after, and I personally equate peace with happiness, if you want peace, welcome everything that happens in your life. I got off family for a minute there because I I felt the doctor's story was apropos of number 30 on the list. And I also wanted you to know that although I coach this stuff and write about it, I struggle with these things right along with you. I, I know, I know this stuff is easier to preach than it is to put into practice. I understand that. But I do hope that you noticed you can be disagreeable without losing your cool. And the way I see it, there's, there's something altruistic about being disagreeable in the way that I was. Because I don't want others to have to go through what I went through. I'll bet everyone listening has had this experience of going to the doctor, waiting in the weight room for an hour, finally seeing the doctor, and getting no apology from him or her. How hard is it for a doctor to say, hey, sorry, I know you've been waiting a while, or nice to see you, and thanks for your patience. I know our appointment was for 2 p.m., and it's 3 p.m., I'm, I'm so sorry. What does that take, five seconds to say? And how much would it mean to the patient? Like, wow, you're the first doctor I've, I've encountered in my life who, who acted as though my time is important too. I mean, I appreciate that, Doc. Now, I have been known to manufacture a little anger when it's warranted and conduct myself in ways that are, well, let's say, not common to my nature to arrive at a desirable outcome. And this is, most, this is mostly emotional intelligence. This is a deeper talk that we're, we won't get into here now, but... There's an unspoken truth, I would say, that that most communication is a negotiation. And whether or not the doctor in this particular case gained respect for me as a result of our in-person meeting and confrontation, if you want to call it that, I'll never know, nor do I care. But I did get the concession I was hoping for, so there is that. And of course, number 33 on the list is learn to negotiate. I covered this last time, so I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it this time. But make studying negotiation a priority, regardless of your field. But especially if you're in sales or customer service, or if you tend to fall on the agreeable side of the big, the big five personality traits. 
When you're an agreeable person, that can be a great thing. It means, it means that you tend to possess kindness and generosity and sympathy, all good qualities to have until it's time to negotiate a raise at work. And you know they're going to fight you tooth and nail over 3 or 4% of salary. So it's worth your while to learn to be a little disagreeable if you're not already. I'll add, especially if you're a woman in the workplace. Ladies, your inability or flat-out unwillingness to negotiate for a raise, it's, it's hurting not just your income but your career growth. And it would behoove many of you to learn to negotiate. I speak on this from a lot of experience. If you want help, contact me. Let me say something about the ladies I've been fortunate to work with in the tech world. Some of the most unbelievably smart, talented, hardworking women I've been around. I've watched some of them outmaneuver some stud guys for top spots on sales leaderboards, earning bigger, better territories, getting their way into management positions on merit, despite all the other things that women do that that make them the magical, beautiful creatures that they are. God love them. But don't let anybody tell you, ladies, that you can't kill it in the workplace. You absolutely can. So go get what's yours. And what's yours is probably a lot more than you think. More on family, because this is, family is important. If you're being treated by a family member in a way that you know they wouldn't treat a friend or they'd have no friends, it's time to set some boundaries. And I would never claim this stuff is easy. Don't get me wrong. The relationship aspect of personal development may be the toughest, dealing with family. But you must, for the sake of your own peace and sanity, you must tell that relative who is just trying to bring you down to their level, explain to them in the nicest way possible that it, it may be time for, for you, Brenda or Bubby, whoever it may be, to find that short peer and take that long hike that they've been meaning to take. <laughs> Come on, B. You've been talking about it every Thanksgiving. Since the kitchen appliances were a booger green, that would surely ease some of the tension in the family, don't you think? A long long hike off a short pier? <laughs> Let me see, Bubby, if I have a shiny pair of Reebok cement shoes in my closet. Never worn. It'll get you a little extra work in on the calves with the concrete shoes you have on. I'm kidding, of course. But seriously, have you heard the old saying, as soon as you believe yourself wise, spend a weekend with your family? It's worth repeating. As soon as you believe yourself wise, spend a weekend with your family. I'll just say, take it from personal experience. Do not submit yourself to abuse. Fuck that. Life is too brief, even at its longest. You didn't choose your family to be in your life the same way, well, you chose your friends, right? You didn't choose your family. But you can choose them out if they're abusive toward you. This may be hitting a little too close to home for my own good. But, man, I've, I've been so intimately involved with so many families that from the outside looking in seem as though they have it all. Trust me. Trust me when I tell you. Every family has its dysfunctions. To the point that I think not to think so is naive. So if you have to reduce the time spent with certain family members, even down to one to two days a year, be it Christmas or Thanksgiving as an example, and deal with them on those days, those people who are overwhelmingly net negatives in your life, that's manageable, am I right? One or two days a year? Letting Bonnie suck the joy out of every room she walks into during Christmas. Watch her drink too much coffee with Baileys and... and <laughs> coffee with Baileys. <laughs> so what? You can deal with it for one day. Let dirty Uncle D-Rod be exposed to your kids one day a year. That never killed a kid's ambition or warped his entire worldview. And just try to focus on the positive. I'll give you an example. Dirty Uncle D-Rod just demonstrated for your kid 
that there are grown-ups out there who make dirty jokes in front of seven-year-olds at what may be the most inopportune time, but that can be valuable info to know in your continuous study of human nature. Number 34, two things to study continuously, communication and human nature. By the way, isn't this scenario I've painted with Brenda and Bubby at Thanksgiving better than your kid getting bombarded on the playground with things you'd prefer they not hear? So they're in the schoolyard hearing all these nasty, all the crap that that Uncle D-Rod is is throwing at them at Christmas, and your kid's completely naive to it? At the very least, when the bad stuff comes from family, and it will, often you'll get an opportunity to discuss it with them, what they've seen and what they've heard. Whereas it happens in the schoolyard, or worse, in dark corners of the internet that maybe maybe they accessed over at their buddy's house, you don't get that same opportunity to chat with them about it. Because you're not privy to how they spend every minute of their lives, nor should you be. But every, every family is dysfunctional in its own way. Don't kid yourself. Learn to set boundaries with family. It's very important to living a bigger life, which is what I'm all about. Can I go back to that Burger King job for a minute? I just had a thought. I may have gotten even with him paying me four sixty an hour. Because if you listen to the first ever guest on this podcast, Chase Lambin, you heard us talk about the many keg parties we had back in those days. And well, on, on more than one occasion, everybody at the Plateau was drinking out of a Burger King cup. A place called the Plateau is where everybody goes. Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise. Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes. She turns around to see what you beeping at. <laughs> if I get an opportunity to break off some fresh prints, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pass that up. But hey, I'm not proud of jacking a stack of purple BK cups from the kingdom. But I'm not not proud of it either. You've heard the old adage find something you love to do and you'll never work another day in your life? Well, I don't know if it gets any better than one of my earliest ventures with me and my dog partying on the weekend, making a small fortune selling (laughs) selling Burger King cups at what would become known as chasing Brad parties. I was a salesman even then. The reason I say that, we filled a need, we created win-win situations, certainly solved for our customers' problems, Beer wasn't that easy to get in those days. And you show up at the plateau or the power lines with $5 in your hand and you're basically getting all you can drink beer all night long or at least until that sucker's floating or everybody scrams when they see the gumballs on top of the Chrysler. (laughs) That means 5-0, time to go. But there was some serious value add there that I learned at a young age. I'm not advocating for underage drinking, nor do I believe in driving over the speed limit or having sex before you're married. You smell the doo-doo I'm stepping in. There's a rewind button if you're not keeping up, and a fast-forward if your time is better spent listening to Rogan talk about getting dudes in a headlock. But I'm going to continue. Of course, we delighted our customers, so they came back. Every weekend, they would tell their friends to get with my friends, and we could be friends. Shit, we could do this every weekend. Is that all right with you? Yeah. Keep banging. That was Big Papa. Very popular at the time, before the big fella was tragically gunned down. Now, about Big, I'll say this. Well, I'll say two things about the transformative nature of Biggie Smalls. One, one of my best buddies hated rap music. He wouldn't play it in his car if you offered to buy him three Whataburger taquitos with cheese at 2.15 a.m. <laughs> but I do remember this same great friend of mine taking me to Blockbuster Music with him out near Willowbrook Mall in Northwest Houston. You remember the one. Just so he could buy the I'll Be Missing You single on CD. I miss you big. And the second thing I'll say about Biggie is he may have come up with the worst line in a song following one of the greatest lines in a song that I've ever heard. 
the song was called One More Chance. And the line was, I'm similar to the thriller in Manila. I love that sort of creativity. The thriller in Manila was a much-hyped boxing match between Muhammad Ali and Smokin' Joe Frazier. took place in the Philippines, 1975. So that verse is fire. It kills. I'm similar to the thriller in Manila. Next line. Ladies call me bigger, the condom filler. What? That is awful. Like Any way you slice it. I mean, do you think anybody ever once referred to big as the condom filler? Would you ever refer to yourself that way? Would anybody? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be one of the worst verses to ever be included in a song. No, no, actually, uh, believe it or not, there may be one to rival the absurdity of Notorious B.I.G.'s verse. There was a song out not long ago, I believe, I want to say 2014. The song went, ooh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. We all know the song, right? It was pretty popular. In the song, he's talking about all these girls that are tempting, but he feels empty when this girl's gone and... Or if I remember correctly, he's talking about conversations with this girl that he's interested in. And she says, do you need me? Do you think I'm pretty? Do I make you feel like cheating? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> now, has any girl ever asked a guy, do I make you feel like cheating? No, that, that conversation has never happened. <laughs> All right, that's off my chest. Let's downshift here to more important matters. Jesse Corrigan, one of my best clients, if not the best, he told me on our first call that he was going to be my first millionaire client. And if he didn't have my attention when he said it then, he sure as hell has my ear now. Dude is, is doing it. He's making moves. Here's a guy in his 20s living in Portland, Oregon, when we first started working together. Hell, I have two clients that when we first started working together lived in Portland, and they both fled. I think there's something to be said there. So this is maybe a little more than a year ago. We started working there, working together, and then shortly thereafter, he bought a house in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Do you know which area of the U.S. has experienced the most real estate appreciation over the past year? You guessed it, Phoenix, Arizona, something like... 33% in one year. So he's got like $100,000 equity in this house he bought. Then he got himself another house. Isn't it interesting how when you set specific goals, it's as if the universe conspires with you to achieve those goals. It starts putting people in your life that can help you achieve your goals. You magically start making more money. In Jesse's case, a shit ton more money. He's leveraging the power of real estate, Airbnb. The guy at this point could teach a master class on relationship building. And I'm only going to share a, sh a sliver of, of what Jesse's been able to do since I've known him. But it's nothing short of inspiring, if not incredible. The reason I'm going to shortchange him is because I want him to be a guest on the show as soon as he and I can get together in person. We'll make that happen. Because I, I really want you to hear his story. I'm very proud of him. How do I tie this into 40 pieces of life advice? Number three on the list. Don't bother telling people what you plan to do. Just do it. Lil Wayne had it right. Real G's move in silence like lasagna. Now my man out in Arizona, he's a real G. He didn't tell anybody what he was planning to do. In fact, he would tell me on our calls, man, thank you. You're the only one that I can talk to about this stuff. And that's as it should be. Keep it between you and your coach or you and your journal. And there are reasons for this, backed by psychological research. When you start telling everybody what your plans are and start high-fiving and slapping ass at a boy, your brain gets tricked into thinking half the work is done, but you haven't even started. So real G's work in silence, and the results speak for themselves. To find out more about Jesse and his creation on Instagram, he is at, it looks like, at underscore the growth house. Some really cool stuff there. Check it out. Not just number three applies here, but number five. You don't need a leadership title to be a leader. 
If you see potential in someone, offer to help them. That's all it takes to be a leader. Jesse has asked me to speak with each of his Growth House members. These are guys and gals that he has thoroughly vetted in order to narrow his pool of potential applicants and get some studs in those houses as tenants. I was blown away by some of the responses these guys gave to some of his questions on the application. And when he's a guest on the show, I'll ask him to share some of the Q's and the A's. <laughs> but Jesse, Jesse doesn't have a leadership title. I mean, he may call himself CEO or whatever he wants to call himself of this growth house business he started, but he has set up each of his growth house members to have calls with me, his coach. Why would he do that? Because he's a leader, he believes that they would benefit from calls with someone of which he has gained a lot from. That's leadership. It's being what I call a connector, the man who connects people where he sees mutual benefit. He puts those people together. He takes the initiative to help, aiding in the growth of others. In my view, that's leadership. So let your, your boomer dad be impressed with corporate titles. Hey, Dad, I'm a manager now. We're doing bigger, bigger things here. The deuce on the list states, the self-educated don't need credentials or validation. They're results-focused. Thus, those who ride or die with me couldn't care less about credentials. They're all about results. If you're one to follow markets and world events, these past few weeks have been a teachable moment. Well, let's not use that phrase, teachable moment. That's a phrase that actually came to fame when then-President Obama said the police acted stupidly. Remember that? For hauling off a black professor to jail after he mouthed off to the cops. What happened there was the guy lived in an affluent neighborhood near the Harvard campus, and his lock was jammed. So he and another guy forced their way into the house. Of course, it was his house, and a neighbor evidently said it looked like the house was being broken into. So cops show up, ask for ID, and this professor didn't like being asked for ID because he believed if he wasn't black, the cops wouldn't have asked for his ID. So then Obama inserts himself into this local police matter, and he was wont to do, and he invited the cop and the professor to the White House for, um, um, for a beer. And he called it a teachable moment. <laughs> so we'll call these past few weeks in markets a coachable moment. How about that? Because we know a non-trivial amount of people thought they were very smart and could time the market. And so took all their money out of the stock market when Russia started bombing Ukraine. And if you remember the morning of the Russian invasion, the Dow dropped over 2% and people rushed to sell their equities. Well, markets pretty much rebounded by the end of the day. Insert Warren Buffett quote, the stock market is merely a device which transfers money from the impatient to the patient. And why would people do this, think they can time the market, or even try to time the market? It's primarily because the pain of a loss is felt stronger than that of a win. So investors are seeking to avoid the awful feeling of losing, and usually what happens when they sell is they end up locking in their losses. Let's talk markets, shall we? Because number 40 on the list says, invest well. You can't believe what you can see and do once you get money out of the way. The S&P 500 is down about 12% so far this year. How'd the S&P do in 2021? It was up 28%. The last three years, the S&P has averaged 26% a year. The last five years averaged 18% a year. In the last 10 years, over 15% a year. The American stock market has been the place to be over the past decade. If you want ticker symbols for how you can invest in the S&P 500, SPY and SPX are probably the most popular. Vanguard's version is VOO. Of course, the longer you hold stocks, the higher the probability you will build wealth. The market goes up, historically speaking, 7 out of 10 years. Now, I always find this interesting. Most people have a home country bias, meaning they invest in markets where they live. 
So if you're talking to your buddy from Germany or Brazil or many other parts of the world, don't assume their investments have been killing it the past 10 years the way that yours may have been. The odds are very much against that. In fact, I have a buddy in Germany whose retirement funds are well tied to the MSCI Germany index. It's made up mostly of large and small cap companies, large and mid cap companies headquartered there in Deutschland. A few of its largest holdings are SAP, Siemens, Mercedes-Benz. That index has been outperformed by your standard American index by something like 7 percentage points per year over the last 10 years, which speaks to the unbelievable run in our stock market here in the U.S. It's made a lot of people wealthy. It's also made a lot of people overconfident, not realizing how lucky they've been in many cases. But remember this, prior success is no indicator of future performance. Would we expect these same sorts of returns domestically, more than 15% a year for the next 10 years? Probably not. And I should say, too, that prior to this unbelievable run that we've had here in the U.S., international stocks and domestic stocks basically took turns delivering better returns. So international stocks would outperform U.S. stocks for 10 years, then the U.S. would lead for the next 10 years, and so on. And I'm sure everyone listening is aware there is a war going on in Ukraine. Now, I have not been to Ukraine. I've been to many of the former Eastern Bloc countries, such as Poland and Hungary, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Romania, and I've been encouraging my American listeners to go there for years. The main reason is because much of the culture is preserved for us to witness and experience. And we can interact with people who lived through Soviet communism. They can tell us what it was like. When our parents were our age, those places were communist countries, nearly impossible to visit unless you were a diplomat or something. So I actually started a business touring small groups around places like Prague and Budapest and Bratislava. There's unbelievably beautiful architecture and people and history there. Highly recommend visiting. Well, now with Russia doing its empire building... Is it possible we see the return of the Iron Curtain? There's certainly a a digital Iron Curtain going on right now in Russia. If they were to be successful in their, their campaign in Ukraine, would they then be content to sit on their hands? The lessons of history would, of course, tell us no. So then what if we see in our lifetimes a Prague that's no longer accessible to Westerners? That may sound far fetched. But not if, let's say, NATO proves to have the same competence of, say, the UN. (laughs) The future is unknowable. You know, the last trip that the overseas fam planned overseas prior to COVID was to Warsaw, Poland. Our flight was scheduled for March 2020. Kept getting backed up and eventually was canceled altogether. But do you... Do you know it took two years to get a refund from KLM Airlines, which is a Dutch airline? So I recommend avoiding if you can. But there's no way I'd take my family there now. Because looking at a map of the major cities in Europe, Warsaw is the closest one to the war zone. zone. And actually, the main train station for refugees fleeing Ukraine right now is in Warsaw. Let me share this story with you. This happened just a few days ago. I was holding my baby, 14 months old, and we were heading down the elevator. In there with us was a girl of about, I'd say, mid to late 20s. And my daughter, as she is wont to do, just about everyone with a friendly face, she starts waving and saying hi. I I love that she does this. So I asked the girl that she's waving to where she's from. And she says with the roll of her tongue, I am from Russia. And I said, oh, wow, are your parents still there? How are they doing? That sort of thing. She says, I think they'll be okay because we have some land, so they they should be able to grow some potatoes. Whoa. She added that they're definitely worried about the ruble dropping like it is. She works remotely for a Russian company here and is being paid in rubles which at this point you'd probably rather be paid in dishwasher parts. 
So now she's actually trying to find a job in Mexico. That way she can be paid in Mexican pesos. That's how bad it's gotten. But she's still very worried for her people back home, saying that many people will starve. Now let me sprinkle in something special to this horrible, horrible situation. Remember, I've got my baby in my hands as I'm talking to her. And then as if my little girl knew exactly the weight of what was being said, of course she couldn't have known, but at 14 months old, this moment blew me away. As we're talking about how her family is going to have to start growing potatoes so they don't starve, my little girl blew her a kiss. It was the sweetest thing I had ever seen and something I'll never forget. So I wanted to share that with you. What a nasty, brutal conflict going on in that region. Thoughts and prayers with people living in that cold part of the world, which I imagine is colder, feels colder than it ever has. This, Russian's girl, this Russian girl's name is Alla, like A-L-L-A. And she has agreed to come on the podcast, and I'll be honored to have her. Should be a good one. Number 28 on the list, interpersonal skills are at an all-time low thanks to 10 years of human screen addictions. If you have enough self-awareness to know this could be you, poor eye contact, extreme literalism, be a great listener instead of the opposite. My interaction with Allah reminded me there are people out there who still wish to connect, who are interested in meeting people. There was no distraction of a phone between us, and I was genuinely interested in learning about her and and her fascinating life, especially at this moment in time. Can you imagine getting on the, the elevator with a Russian and starting to talk and talking more than they do? So number 29, listen more than you talk, and don't talk to talkers. You may think that they'll want to share, want you to share in the pleasures they get from talking by allowing you to talk. But don't kid yourself, and don't think next time will be different. Just say hello instead of how are you, because you may not get another word in edgewise, as they say, which is something I need to Google. I don't know what edgewise means. This would be a great test for anyone on planet Earth right now who wanted to know if they talk too much. You're waiting in an elevator. Ask someone next to you where they're from and see if you do more talking than listening. I've tweeted this and I've talked about it, but if you're younger than me and you talk more than you listen, you need to do some recalibrating. You learn more by listening than talking. Here's something that's been proven out through studies on communication. Do you know that you can have a conversation with someone, inquire about their favorite thing to talk about, which is generally themselves, walk away, and they think, that you're a great conversationalist, even though they've done 90% of the talking. It doesn't matter. So if you had the wherewithal to ask them about themselves and just let them talk, people on average will like you more. I spent an entire afternoon with a young man about 10 months ago of the sort you don't meet every day. He was very smart and engaged, inquisitive, In fact, he brought a notebook with him to ask questions. I have no doubt he'll be a huge success. His name is Cruz Cassard. At some point during our discussion that day, the book Sapiens came up, and so I sent him a copy in the mail. It's a great read. The author is Yuval Harari. On the inside cover to Cruz, I wrote, A man who is likable and loves to read will be unstoppable. I truly believe that. So listen more than you talk. The rest of number 29 says don't talk to talkers, and let me expound there. I feel like I should. Talkers tend to be selfish. Now, there are exceptions to every rule. I know some really good people who never STFU, so to speak. But for the most part, on their part, it's insecurity. They want to be the center of attention. But what happens is they drain your energy, and you've got to figure out how to maximize and protect your energy. Not to mention, those talkers, they, they usually think they're way smarter than you are. Is that somebody you want to hang out with that thinks they're way smarter than you are? In fact, they know they're way smarter than you are. Otherwise, they think that you'd be talking as much as them. That is true. I studied this for many years. 
Oh, what do you mean you studied it? Like uh, you got a, you got a degree in in personal interaction? No. Oh, you watched a YouTube video? No, dude, maybe. But <laughs> I read books. I observed my surroundings. Perhaps more more importantly, I I asked questions. I wasn't afraid to ask someone. Hey, man, why why do you talk so much? Just curious. And I take notes in my journal and study human nature. It'll make you better. In studying this aspect of human nature, what I found most fascinating, two things. One, talkers, they don't know what it's like to know something in the company of other people and not share that they know it. And this is all ego, of course. But number two, talkers often feel as though they always must be talking. Because if there's some sort of silence in the conversation, they start to believe the other person isn't having a good time. So they get insecure and fill silence gaps with total nonsense, not realizing that they're probably harming themselves in the process. I've also known people who like to be around people who who don't shut up. (laughs) Different strokes for different hands, I guess. Let's go back to markets for a minute. Historically, during times of war, the market's gone down. But the recovery doesn't take nearly as long as people would think. In fact, according to research done by RBC Wealth Management, which is in Houston, where I'm from, since World War II, there have been 18 geopolitical conflicts, not including the one occurring now. During those wars, stocks were down on average just over 6%. Now, the time it took from valley to peak, in other words, back to the top after bottoming out, was about 30 days. Ronald Reagan used to make some really good jokes about the Soviet Union before its implosion in 91. I remember him saying, if you wanted a car in the Soviet Union, it would take something like 10 years to get it. So this man was on the line with the Minister of Transportation or someone high up in that department. And he was assured on the phone that, that he would get his car in 10 years. It'll arrive at your house on this day 10 years from now. And the guy asked the Soviet official, he says, oh, good, will it be here in the morning or afternoon? And the Soviet official says, well, it's 10 years from now. What does it matter? And he says, well, I have the plumber coming in the morning. <laughs> when John McCain ran for president in 2008, He referred to Russia as a gas station masquerading as a country. So they've been the butt of jokes for many years, but they have a lot of energy. Energy like natural gas that Europe relies on. But did you know Texas has a bigger economy than Russia? That's true. Russia's gross domestic product is $1.3 trillion. Texas has a GDP of $1.7 trillion. However, Russia has 5x the population of Texas. And while we in Texas have been diversifying our economy, they very much rely on crude oil production. So we have a way bigger economy. Then why does Russia project themselves as being so important, you might ask? Well, they have enough nuclear weapons in their possession to blow up the entire world, probably many times over. Actually, studies have been done on this. If you combine the nuclear arsenal that Russia and the U.S. have stored underground, it's enough to blow up the entire world more than 10 times over. So are we headed for mutually assured destruction? Let's hope not. Was this podcast helpful to you? Let's hope so. I'll see you folks down the road. I really appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out to me, with corrections, concerns, questions, anything that's on your mind. I can be reached on Instagram or Twitter at man underscore overseas. Thank you folks so much for joining us.